Greetings, Seven Second Delay fans. Tonight, part five of our six-part series of Seven Second Delay listeners interviewing Andy and myself. Tonight, we bring you interviews by listener George Gilpin and listener Max Rosenthal in the second half. And since we will have 10 minutes left over at the end of tonight's hour, uh, we will also be bringing you a mystery listener remix of a WFMU DJ. That'll be in the final uh, final seven or eight minutes or so. Uh, but here is the interview that listener George Gilpin conducted with Andy Breckman and myself a couple of weeks ago. Okay, I just started recording. So um, take it away, George. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the best that I can. Um, I was curious, and I know that this has been well documented. I, I'm, I have never watched any of the documentaries on WFMU, but I noticed that um, in 1992 is the time when you formed your nonprofit and took control of the WFMU license. And it's also the same year that Seven Second Delay started. And I was, I was curious um, how, how it was that you guys started, decided to start the show 31 years ago. I think actually Seven Second Delay started prior to 92, um, but I'm a little fuzzy on the exact dates. Um, I think it might have actually started in 91. Um, I'm, I'm just relying on the internet. Yeah. If I'm maybe I'm misremembering, didn't it originally have two completely different hosts, Ken? Yep. Who were they? I forget. Yeah, it had uh, David Newgarden. The original host was Will Baum, um, a friend of Andy's, actually former Andy's former assistant. You mean uh, yeah, co-host? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then Will suddenly after the right after the show got its start, Will suddenly uh, moved to L.A. I think he um, sobered up. He sobered up and. Uh and realized uh, where he was. Yeah, so Andy let him out of his basement and he uh, fled, um, <laughs> which is understandable. And then David Newgarden took over. Hey, George, where are we talking to you from? I'm in Brooklyn, New York today. I'm sitting here on Baltic Street near the East River. The sun is shining in the gates next to me. And are you on the, are you, is somebody, uh, are you on somebody's payroll right now? Should you be working? I'm I'm on my own payroll. I work for myself. Nice. And and actually, you know, that was another another one of the sort of, you know, questioning points I had about um Oh no, not so fast. Not so oh, fast. Yeah. What do you oh. do? What do you do for yourself? What do you, what kind of work do you do? I I buy and sell art and antiques. Cool. So I'm I'm in the design world. Buy low, sell high. That's the idea. Yep. That's George the is, idea. If you We're don't write that down, George. If you don't write it down, you're going to forget it. <laughs> and what is the most valuable single piece of art that you've ever uh, that you've ever been involved with? Uh, well, I feel like I'm bragging now. I once bought a sculpture. Uh, I once went to a, an art show and I saw the work of a of a, a woman sculpture. I'd never seen it before, and the work seemed it seemed. It, very expensive. So I called her gallery in California and I learned that she hadn't had a show in 10 years, but they did have one piece of her art available, which I purchased and I hung it in my house. My wife and I loved looking at it, 
but we had our kids were younger and I came home one day and one of my son's friends was holding a basketball standing next to it and I and I saw that the end was near so I put it in in a box in the closet until a a gallery in the city did a retrospective of this works woman's work and I I bragged to the gallery that I actually had one of these in my closet and they offered me about a hundred times what I paid for it. So wow. I did have to call my wife and ask her if I was allowed to get rid of the sculpture that was in the box in the closet and considering the great windfall that it would give us, she said, yes. Nice. Wow. Fantastic. And you, and you bought it originally because you, you like the art? I mean, you. I, I bought it originally because I really liked it. I thought it was. Oh beautiful. wow! Oh and, my and god! I, you, uh, good. I, you know, at the time I was doing an antique show, and when you do fairs like that, you know, if it's a good fair, you you know, you have some coin in your pocket at the end. So it was a fortuitous moment to drop some money on something that maybe normally I wouldn't have. Ken, do you and your wife and your family have any valuable artwork or paintings in your house? Um, yeah, we probably um, have uh, a couple of things. Yep. Well, a lot of a lot of artists affici- affiliated with the station have gone on to become kind of prominent, right? Yeah, yeah. I've 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 purchased uh, a couple of things at our benefit auctions that I think are worth much more than I paid for them. And of course, yeah. the building itself that that the station's in has has also uh, increased in value. I'm sure yeah. it has increased in value a lot. Yes, it has. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a curious thing because I went to art school. I went to Cooper Union here in the city. And, you know, I used to joke when I got out of school that they should have taught us a a class in Sheetrock 101 because you don't really have the skills to do anything other than make art, which is, you know, could could be a problematic business. But, you know, what I found out is that as a creative person, you know, I also have the ability to run a business. And, you know, that's, that's actually one of the magical things I see about the station and, and what you do, Ken, is that not only, you know, do you have this incredibly creative space that you've created for all of these um, DJs to go freeform, and, and I'm sure that they need some reining in. Um, I'm sure that, you know, you have to manage that, and I know it's a tremendous job, but it's it's pretty incredible, really, that you know, you. Hey, Max. You are. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? Is this good? Yeah. Station and in your broadcast, but you you clearly also have like a business sense to keep this just this monster going forward. Yeah. Thanks, George. I I go ahead, Andy. It's even more impressive than that because it's even more. It is impressive. I'm always. I am in awe of. of the truth is, I really am very. Uh, I do admire Ken for a lot of reasons, but what. But it's even more impressive than that, George, if you consider there's no real template for what Ken has built. I mean, he's off, there's no chart, you know, for him to follow. Uh, he had to he had to figure it out, figure the rules out as he went along, you know, and uh, and uh, and he did it. He, he's he's built this machine that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really quite pioneering in the way that not only has the radio station continued to have longevity, but also to modernize. And again, that's, I think, an asset um, that either Ken you have or you have in harnessing other people to, to, to look into this stuff, um, which is what a good manager does. You know, what uh, else Ken do- you know what else Ken does that a good manager does is he will, he will pivot 
if, if he hits a wall, if something is a dead end, uh, he will recognize it very, very quickly and, and pivot away from it and not commit more resources uh, to it. And that's, to, if he, so he's, he is moving forward. The station is moving forward. It is, as you say, modernizing as it goes, but it's, it's in a weird zigzag sort of path. Uh, well, that's, nice that that's really nice of you to say that actually, Andy. Um, but um, yeah, I actually feel like I wait way too long to, to give up on failures. Um, oh, then I stand corrected. Yeah, One of the biggest a... faults that Ken has is um, <laughs> just he just doesn't acknowledge or recognize the a dead end when yeah, he just a wall when a, it beating a dead horse for years after years. I was completely I was completely wrong, and in what? fact, in fact, uh, we actually do at, at our Christmas parties stand around sometimes and beat a dead horse. He brings in a dead horse. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, he brings the it high, in, he has to carry it. It's the end of, it's the high point of every Christmas. It yeah, rolls it's, a, it's a self-hating Jewish Christmas tradition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, oh my God. And That's... then sometimes we say, where, sometimes we'll say, where do you get these dead horses, Ken? And he says, you can't ask me that. <laughs> That's some kind of state secret here. New York City meat market. Because I, I sometimes see live horses in the back, but I've never seen a dead horse, although there's always an ample supply somehow. Yeah, no mystery. <laughs> that horse wasn't lame at all, Ken, you liar. <laughs> so so when, when did the two of you first meet? When did you guys come together? Because somehow seven second delay did start functioning hey, Max. with the two of you as the hey, major Max. players. Well, along the way back, and I'm curious how that, how that happened. Um, Andy and I met uh, like 10 years before Seven Second Delay started when he was performing his comedy folk act in Ann Arbor. Um, and, <laughs> I, and I was a student and also working in radio in Ann Arbor. Um, and then I saw his name on my program director's desk 10 years later. Um, so I took an interest in the fact that he was trying out for a show on uh, FMU. And when his first, his first co-host fled, um, and then his second co-host, David Newgarden, similarly fled. I took over from David, who was our program director at the time, with the understanding that I would simply be there for two or three weeks training Andy uh, to learn how to engineer for himself. And, it's, uh, and Ken is still there. Why? Because I'm, not, it never totally, worked. I'm not totally trained yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah. seem relatively unstable. It's interesting, George, we've known each other 30 some years, 31 going on 32 years, but we've only very, very recently fallen in love with each other. That's <laughs> really? just, yeah, that's still very new. Yes. Those are you're in the honeymoon phase. Yep. Yeah, it was actually the middle of last week's show. Really? Yeah, at least for me, I can only speak for me. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. Same, same moment for me. George, how long have you been married? How, oh, I've been married for 27 years. And so you're so the son that you mentioned who brought that basketball player home, he's now older. <laughs> he's in high school now. I, I have two sons. I have a there's an there's an older George who lives in Chicago. He's a painter. And there's a uh, there's a younger Henry who goes to the College of the Atlantic in Maine. And uh, now my wife and I, Gigi, are uh, are all alone basking in the freedoms of having no children at home. Mazel tov. You've, you've earned it. And it's what is fantastic. Your, what does your wife do? Uh, my wife um, has a few businesses with her sisters, and so she manages real estate. 
and they just sort of take care of the family business. Oh, good for her. Good for yeah, her. it's good. She enjoys it. And we have two dogs, which uh, get us out of bed bright and early every morning. My two wife dogs in Brooklyn, okay. Takes them to a trip in Prospect Park. And, now, you're uh, empty nesters. Are you, are you thinking of moving? Or are you, what does that oh, mean? Oh, life? absolutely. We're thinking of moving. We have, um, we, our, the house we live in now is too big. There are too many gutters. We have yeah. a backyard, which is too big. Yeah. Um, but you need a yard. You have two dogs. Well, we, we're, we're going to move to a new place with a yard, but everything needs to be smaller. It was, it was fun for the kids, but you know, now they can take care of themselves. You're going to, you're going to be fine, George. You're going to land on your feet. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling okay about it. You know, it was touch and go while they were still at home. But now that we've convinced them that the world is an exciting place to to adventure in. It sounds like they it sounds like they're launched. They're not asking you for money. It sounds well, I don't know about the not asking me for money part. Well, the artist, of course, is having, you know, will need money. The, the artist will the artist is always looking at the world in a new and different way. And I'm sure- I'm, I'm kind of worried about, about your son, the artist. Really? I am. Uh, I, I worry about him sometimes, but I know at the end of the day, he's going to work it all out. I did. He will. You did. Yeah. Now, what do you guys think? Ken, you have two kids. And George, what do you, now what do you think? My, when, I, when I left college, I, I, I left college in my freshman year to, uh, to try to be a performer. As Ken mentioned, I was performing you know, with a guitar. And, the, and what my mother did, my recently widowed mother, she cut me off completely. So did you drop out of college? I did drop out of college. She said, I love you. Uh, you know, you'll always be able, I'll always feed you if you want to come home for a night or two. But, but I cannot support you. And, and, and at the time, it was, it was you know, uh, I was pretty rattled and worried. Wow. But in, in hindsight, it was the greatest gift she could ever give me. Wow. What do you think? Now, what now, Ken? Did what do you think of that? Is there any legitimacy to that? I think that that was probably a great move for her to pull with you. Yeah, I applaud yeah. her for doing that. I've never needed to do that with my kids. Oh, uh, good it, for you. It's just been a non issue. Um, they haven't tried to rely on me, um, excessively at all. Like they just they they just sort of both took to their independence very naturally and promptly well that says a lot that that wow. that, that says a lot about you and hank right there yeah that's exciting that's great that's what you want you yeah. want them to get into the world and have exciting experiences you know i remember um maybe 10 years back uh ken you and i exchanged a few emails about our kids because i was um i was mentioning that my son was really into graffiti at the time and i was encouraging ah not to put graffiti in the trains uh, because that, that was federal jurisdiction, not, not New York City. Huh. And I think, uh, I think you swapped a story with me about your son. And um, yeah, that's, you know, those kids. So, you, so George, yeah, so George you, you told your kids not to deface the, uh, the, the, the trains that were uh, because that was a federal crime, well, not you know, a state crime. This is a now hard that's, Great parental guy. Well, you know, I think the thing is, you 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 can't stifle creative freedoms. You know, I mean, I don't really want to be scrubbing when when people graffiti on my building here in Brooklyn, and I have to clean it off. I'm not happy about it. When I see beautiful graffiti on the street, I appreciate it, and 
you know, if people want to be creative and do do things, you you know, it, it's hard to figure out whether it's right or wrong. You just can, make you sure, know. just make sure you're defacing things at the state level, not the federal level. Oh yeah, well, I, I, I have. Yeah, I have questions. So, an MTA subway car, uh, I guess maybe because the federal government lent the MTA money, that they have a lien on it, maybe because that's what? owned by. It's owned yeah. by the MTA, or oh, I, would... I thought. The, oh, I thought they were defacing like Amtrak trains. That are no, no. What I, what I heard, what what I was worried. George, what kind of what kind of what kind of laws was was your son breaking? Clarify. Well, well, I remember. Well, my younger son, I remember, went on a field trip to the Museum, Museum of Natural History um, when he was in middle school. They took a bus, and uh, they came home, and I said, "Oh, well, how was the you know how was the trip to the Museum of Natural History?" And he goes. Oh, the Museum of Natural History was fine, but you know that big giant billboard that's like sort of looming over the top of the, the Brooklyn Bridge? And I said, yeah, you know, the one right in Dumbo? He goes, oh yeah, George painted a giant tag across that in pink paint. And so I showed that to all of my friends. Nice. That was, that, that was the highlight of their trip to the Museum of Natural History. That's well, how did, he get, how did he get up there? <laughs> well, he climbed. He climbed up to the top of the building with his friends. Well, I hope it wasn't a federally financed billboard. That's my only concern. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it wasn't. Well, let's put it this way. He got away with that one. A quick impression of my friend George. Hey, if you're going to throw rocks, throw rocks at cops, not at federal FBI agents. <laughs> Look, you can. You have to try to guide your children the best you can. Yeah, exactly. So well, what else can we? What else can we do for you? Uh, do you have a list of other questions? I, I have. If I derailed. The conversation I do. Yes, you've it. completely derailed it. No, 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 you have not. You have not derailed it. But I, I would, I, I would loop back to, um, you know. So I, I don't know how many people send the station emails, but I'm always impressed that Ken responds to the emails that I send the station. And sometimes I, I send complaints. So I recently, I sent recently sent Ken a, a, an email where I was disparaging a certain show and i was wondering if maybe the time slot couldn't be better used after listening to shots the show for two or three weeks and and ken's response was no i think you're wrong i think it's all gonna work out and i thought that i thought that it was a really good well first of all you know who knows where these emails come from right these listeners you have no idea who you're dealing with and you know what can you really say to people but but it did inspire me to, you know, take take a second look. And, um, you know, I think that when you make commitments to DJs or, you know, you, you're giving these opportunities to people to have this time of expression, it's, you know, it could be kind of risky business at times. I mean, I'm sure that there have been a few shows maybe that went awry or you had to pull the plug on. I, I don't know the inner politics of that. But well, it I, must think I, I think really I know the I think I remember the email you sent me, and I think I know the show you're talking about. And what show uh, was it? I'm not going to say, but okay, spell um, it. <laughs> but I, what I I will say is that you know when you have somebody who's doing a talk show, um, it can there there's no way to practice ahead of time for that uh, like there is for doing a music show. So people who do phone in shows or talk shows are almost literally thrown on the air, you know, really being thrown into the lion's den. And I feel like I, I feel like I really have to give them months, you know, months before they can even sort of like just let be on their feet. Um, and then I always feel like it takes 
around two or three years for a show to be in the same slot uh, to really sort of relax. And if it's going to come into its own, then I need to give it two or three years to come into its own. So I'm, I'm very... I'm very prepared to uh, give give new. If I think a new program or a new programmer is promising, um, I'm really going to give them a long time before I'm I give. Very, them I'm time. very grateful that you gave me uh, thirty one years. To, uh, yeah, thirty one <laughs> years. I guess the jury is still out. I hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, seven seconds. Yeah, and seven second delay came into its own. I would say after around uh, two or three years. Yeah. Oh, you're the sweet. I, I, that's probably true. I, I'm not even aware enough to to judge it like that. I can't. Do you I ever can't. have to pull the plug on shows? Sure. Yeah, all the time. What percentage of shows can that uh, would you say that you've and 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 since you've become station manager, what percentage of shows have disappointed you? Uh, <laughs> just a rough percentage. Is it is it like ten percent? One in ten? I'm not, I don't, I'm, no, I don't even want to say. I don't even want to go. Wait, there. is it more than one in ten? I don't want to say at all, because you know, like I'm the, uh, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll just say for you, eighty-five percent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Yeah, it's around eight. Yeah, eighty-five percent sounds right. So, so if somebody wanted to be wanted to do a show on WFU, is is there a process that you go through? I mean, is do people just send you tapes? Is it a pitch? Is yeah, it, there's there's different ways to go about it. I suppose there's there's sort of different different models for, <laughs> as it were, how people get on the air. But uh, but yeah, usually there's a pitch, um, and I'm you know often if I, I want to hear what experience they have or at least hear a voice sample. Right. Um, and uh, the thing is, I'm looking for. I mean, I, what what I'm looking for is constantly shifting. It's not like I'm looking for one thing. It's like sometimes I need more local people who have very flexible schedules. Sometimes I'm looking for, you know, more talk shows or phone-in shows. Sometimes I'm looking for, you know, musical shows in an area that I feel like we've become musically weak in. So you know, so what I'm right. looking sure. what I'm looking for is is not static. It's always changing. Would you agree, Ken, that the most effective way to lobby you is to show up in person at the station and just yes. badger you. Yes, absolutely. Badger you relentlessly. Yes, absolutely. That is the best way to get on the air. Don't, because, be, don't be discouraged. Just keep coming back the next day and then the maybe, day after Maybe that. stand outside the station with a flamethrower while you're on the air. Well, one of, yeah, yeah, one of the biggest uh, avenues of getting on is to volunteer at the station doing something else and just getting to know everybody and getting to meet me, you know, and then gradually doing... Uh, you know, doing what we call board operator shifts, you know, babysitting for a, either a pre-recorded show or a remote show, you know, and then you'd start doing fill-ins, you know, so it's all very gradual. A lot of the newer DJs began at the station by giving Ken a sponge bath every week. <laughs> that yeah. seems to be a shortcut. You know, I remember when I first started listening to WFMU, I was so I was so confused because I would I would start out driving my kids to school listening to JM in the AM. And then by the time I dropped them off, you know, the station would have would have shifted into this much more radical freeform um, event. Yes, it and, was very confusing those days. <laughs> well, it was I mean, it was sort of wonderful. I mean, I'm not Jewish. So the fact that I was listening to the JM in the AM. Right. Almost every morning is is <laughs> You know, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, when I first started listening to the station, it was really confusing. 
<laughs> because uh, frequently we went off the air. I didn't know. I didn't understand what was going on at the time. I thought there were two or three different stations sharing this one ninety one point one FM frequency. I really didn't understand what was oh, going on for for. Oh, that's that's right. I remember you used to talk about that. Yeah. About how one was one was bouncing to the other one or something like that. But yeah, that was a big, that was a big repair to the antenna years back. Yeah. So it took me six months of listening to WFMU before I kind of got a sense of what was actually going on. And by that, you mean by what by what was actually wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Specifically what was wrong. George, is this is this being recorded by you for a podcast of any kind or is this just it a is, personal? It is not being recorded by me at all. OK. Yeah, I am recording it. Excellent. But, but we are pretty much out of time, George. So thank all you. All right. Well, you know, I appreciate you guys taking the time to answer some questions. Shall who, I do was, who do you think was more responsive to your questions, me or Ken? I, I, I think you were equally responsive. I can't see Ken. So it was more uh, magnanimous to see you moving around there on the screen. It was great. It was very nice to, to meet you. It, it really was. But I hope you have a good time off working on your secret project. Well, it's not much of a secret, but but uh, I appreciate that. I'll be I'll be back in six weeks. But thanks to you and listeners like you, we're going to be on the air doing a, a new programming. And you're in, you're in Toronto, Andy, in your van sitting outside the uh, set of uh, where they're shooting the new Monk movie. I believe that's on the west side of Toronto. <laughs> you know, actually, the new Monk movie has been added to your Wikipedia page. I noticed. Oh, and I, well. Erwin, my friend Erwin, who, of course, as a, you know, you, you're, I'm sure you know, yes. uh, he has total control over my Wikipedia page, which, <laughs> which makes me, which makes me terrified of him. Well, if, if, <laughs> if, if it's truly a secret where you are, you, you might want to alter the no, way it's not, <laughs> A lot of my career is, it seems like a secret, but, uh, <laughs> but it's not a secret, really. All right. Well, thanks a lot, George. Thanks, Andy. Yep. You guys have a great afternoon. Okay. okay thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Is a man who leads a life of danger. Everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. That was the first of two listener interviews that we're airing tonight as uh, Andy's six-week hiatus continues. This is week five of six listener interviews. Uh, coming up next, we have listener Max Rosenthal interviewing us. Uh, and then following the interview from Max, we're going to be airing uh, a listener, a WFMU listener remix of a WFMU DJ uh, Max Rosenthal, our next interviewer, uh, talks a bit in his interview about what I called the worst comedy album of all time by a Jersey City butcher named Unky Dunky. And I have put the link to download the Unky Dunky worst comedy album of all time on tonight's chat board. Now, here is uh, the second of tonight's listener interviews, Andy Breckman and myself speaking with listener Max Rosenthal. Hey, Max. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? Is this good? Yeah. All right, good. I can not only hear you, I can see you. How are you? Yeah, huh? I'm pretty good. Yeah. You're good in your, is that your, is that, uh, is that your bedroom? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. 
Yeah, it's a it's a nice one. It uh, my parents um when I moved back due to uh, COVID, my parents gave yeah, me this. Everyone moved. Everyone moved back during COVID because of COVID. No yeah. one moved back home because they couldn't get a damn job. I know. And, yeah, and Max, because of COVID. Well, How long will you use that excuse, Max? Well, uh, 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 about it, until it, six months ago. It's going to expire yeah. very soon. But Max, oh, yeah. you're just getting over COVID again, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, how convenient! How many? Know, exactly. how, getting, how how many times can you contract COVID, Max? Well, uh, yeah, I know. Because as, as, as soon as you beat it, you're out of there. I know. Oh, I hope so. They they want me out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. As soon as I started working as a busboy in a restaurant, I'm sure it was like time. Oh, is yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, oh my god, you're surrounded by. Hey, you know yeah. my friend. I have a friend, Tom Gamble, who once advised me. If you don't want your kids to move back home, here's what you do. You uh, make love to your wife on their bed, in their bedroom, and then you make sure you tell the kid about it. Yes. So you'll never want to go into that room again. <laughs> Ew. That's, it's, uh, that's, that's not, yeah. That's exactly what um, my parents are not doing right now because I'm here. <laughs> so, <laughs> how, how, how old are you? I'm 33. Um, I don't know. If you remember, but I did a, a stand-up once, like in 2008 at Maxwell's. On oh, all those it, was, it was in Jersey City, right? It was at yeah, a, uh, Hoboken. And yeah, you were doing yeah. a little. You did a little stand-up set, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, funny. you were fantastic. I remember oh, thank that. You. Thanks. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was, oh. uh, it was like, but it was, it was, it was not recently. It was like five, six, seven years ago, right? Quite. Yeah, longer was, than that. Longer oh, than yeah. It was in Hoboken. Longer. I think it was yeah. might have been in Maxson. Yes, Maxwell's. Max, Maxwell's. Maxwell's. Yeah. yeah, you were doing stand up. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just repeating everything back to Max that he just told you, Andy. <laughs> but it was, I, I remember I messed up the first joke. Like it just couldn't come out of my head. And so I thought I just, I remembered it now. So I thought I'd just do that. Okay. You know, um, I've yeah. Been waiting, I've been waiting nine years. Yeah. Um, it's great to be uh, performing here at Maxwell's. Uh, I was. Uh, it's always great to be performing at the place that you're named after and you were conceived. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a yeah. great joke. Wait, how did you? How did you muff it up uh, nine years ago? Well, I, that that joke has a bit of a, uh, a co-writing credit where. Uh, at Maxwell's, David Johansson from the New York Dolls was at a show, and my mom introduced me to him. And he, uh, he, you know, she said he was named after here, and then he asked if I was conceived there. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, and, what an honor to share yeah. a writing credit. With yeah, David I know. But I didn't know what conceived meant, so I just said, "Yeah, like sure." And then he made a face like, oh, and I thought, <laughs> hey, something is weird in this. Well, that's uh, great. You were you were conceived in the in the green room at Maxwell's. Yeah, let's exactly. say that. Yes. It's always yeah. Good. If you if you can as a stand up comic, it's always best to understand the jokes that you're telling. And that's oh, I think all the references. I yourself. disagree. I think I think I think that's a really big mistake to try to understand them. Yeah. Well, well, the, well you and I you and I have different philosophies. Now, Max. So, Max, you're working in the restaurant business. Sort of. Yeah. You're busing. You're busing table. Yeah. Now, are people, do people ever uh, tip busboys separately? Um, it's it's like a tip share um, uh, thing. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure how it works, but I get like a certain amount of a percentage of what the, waiter... the waitresses The waitresses and waiters pool their tips 
Yeah. And the busboy and the and the and the cooking staff get a percentage of that. Yes. Yeah. Does the bartender does the bartender also put his or her tips in there into the pool? Nope. No. That's a separate. Do you make Do you make more from that tipping policy sharing the tips than you do from your salary? Oh, for sure, definitely. Because I only I make uh, five ten an hour doing this. Good lord! I worked as a, I worked as a yeah. busboy. I worked as a. Can I tell you my busboy story? Please. I worked at a busboy for a new restaurant in Rockefeller Center. It was like a lunch place, and I worked as a busboy, and uh, nobody was sharing tips with me. I we I wish I had talked to you first. Oh. And then on the third or fourth day, the manager gave me a handful of flyers because it was a new restaurant, and he told me to go out to Sixth Avenue and to hand out the flyers. Okay. To people, so I was on Sixth Avenue and I was handing out the flyers to passersby at lunch hour, and people would take the flyers from me and they. You know, it's New York City. So they'd read, they'd glance at it, they'd crumble it up and toss it out on the on the street or on the curb, right? Oh. So I did that for an hour or so, and then a cop comes up, the man, the man comes up, you know, the fascist cops in New York, they come up, and he says, "I gotta, I'm gonna write you a ticket for littering," and I said, "No, no, no, I'm not littering. I'm handing out the leaflets." And the, the, the other people, the people that are taking the leaflets, are, are littering. Maybe they're littering. And he says, no, 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 you're responsible uh, for that litter. So I got the ticket. I got the ticket, and the fine said $85 uh, for littering. So I went back to my manager. I didn't do anything wrong. I did exactly what I was, yeah, was yeah. asked to do. My, so I said to the manager, you're going to take care of this, right? I'd say, right? I, I'm not going to pay this ticket. I I was following your order. And he said, no way. This is on you. <laughs> so, oh, I, so I quit. I, I yeah. Four days. Wow. That's, yeah, that's. Uh... That's my busboy story. That's now, why Andy, That's why I love you, you Andy. You... Yeah, I stand up to the man. Now, yeah. why don't you tell us your busboy story? Oh, I know. Yes, Andy, do you have a busboy story? Uh, I don't have a, I do not have a busboy story, although I was a bartender. Well, get one. Just go out and get one. And if I, you have to buy one, buy one. And if you have to go to that AI thing, that CRT AI, just do that. Yeah. If oh. you ever want a cover for me, please. It's it's a it's not. <laughs> do you want to do you want to tell us the name of your restaurant? No, probably better if I don't. Okay. Why don't you Why don't you spell it? Yeah. Um, That's like telling it, Andy. Yeah, I, that would be. It, oh, it rhymes with. Uh, Does it rhyme with? Thank God it's my day. Sure. Yeah, we can. We can. It's actually the same initials. We can. We can okay. leave it. And then, and then, yeah. um, and well, we know it's kind of upscale because there's a bartender and you're mm-hmm. a nice wait wait staff. And then, what do you what do you hope to do in a perfect world when you yeah. move out of your parents' house? I know that's, I know that's I know job that. one. Moving. Yeah. Out. What do you some, hope to do? Some animation, some writing stuff too, some comedy writing. You know, I mean. Not, we don't have to turn this into uh, yeah, you know yeah. a thing. But, you have a, um, do you have a website you'd like to uh, you'd like to uh, plug? I'm I'm on Instagram. I'm putting some oh, stuff you, together. Oh, yeah, Instagram. Yes. You pass the Instagram audition. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. It's uh, <laughs> I, I'm just kind of still figuring things sure. out i think like you sure. know but yeah yeah um, well well but, max um, i know andy's got a bad habit of interviewing the interviewers 
So why don't you just jump right into interviewing us? Sure. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, it, it's funny that we're kind of talking about what what you said about uh, you know when when the people when the co comedian understands the joke, it's it it works when they don't. But there's this comedy album that I've kind of been obsessed with for a very long time that I found on Beware the Blog on WFMU. And it's a record called um, Unky Dunky the Baloney Slicer. Um, and he lives in uh, Jersey City, right? I think that's where. But it's just one of the most bizarre records because he doesn't say anything funny. No, it's terrible. It's, it's so terrible. But it, it has it, this. It's the worst comedy record of all time. Yes. But it has this amazing, like, uh, uh, like rim shots are just going through at like weird times like the he's he's performing on a loop i think it seems like so the the laughter doesn't match where he is in the joke at all it's right. such a bizarre yeah it's, is it, it like, is, you know, a, is it is it is it like neil hamburger no it's way worse than neil hamburger yeah it was a it was a butcher unky dunky was a neighborhood butcher in jersey oh, city oh yes Mm -hmm. okay, uh, someone played me a cut of that. Yes, yes uh, that's it, right. Who uh, I guess his customers thought he was hilarious, and somebody <laughs> told him to make a comedy album. So yeah, so he recorded <laughs> some jokes about his son-in-law Mortimer, yeah. and most of the jokes are basically just uh, about how stupid Mortimer is. And then, as right. you say, they put in laugh track and they put in rim shots that don't match up with anything. It, it is truly just the the absolutely worst comedy album of all yeah, time. It's now, Max, pretty... what, now, Max, what is this album? Why why does this album why is this album important to you? Um, it's not really. It just gets in my head. It's just too too like it's just one of the weirdest comedy albums that like because there's no usually like there's some intention to make jokes or whatever this is just like just inside somebody's brain like it's like you're just in this guy's head well, it and it sounds like it sounds like he's not trying to it sounds like he's not consciously trying to do anti-comedy it sounds like nope. he's, just, he's mentally challenged yeah and socially it, socially challenged and sure. and is that the kind of thing you would like to release yourself max you know maybe more like neil hamburger and stuff i did an open mic once where i uh um, I, I didn't do well. I kind of bombed, but I was still getting like, you know, laughs at like weird intervals <laughs> and stuff. And then uh, the host at the end was like, uh, Neil Hamburger, everybody. And I was like, <laughs> I oh, it's a nice comparison. Yeah. Well, no, it's not a nice comparison if you're trying to be straight up. <laughs> yeah. funny, I know. Well, Andy, no, Andy, the last stand up you did. Well, I, the last time I did, I would have wished for a Neil Hamburger. Uh, right, you would have wished for inappropriately timed laughter. Yeah. Now, Max, are you a fan of Andy Kaufman? Do you, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Time? That was the first, um, the first comedy I ever did was in uh, fourth grade. I just uh, did my uh, impression of of Andy Kaufman, and I just uh, um, did the. Uh, um, I just recited the first scene from Man on the Moon to a bunch of fourth graders. <laughs> <laughs> and, was that uh, your rep was were you the class clown in, in oh in no i was you know how like i I was not jealous i was always just like oh, the the class clown sucks kind of that's how i felt about i mean it's uh um i i was like you know i 
maybe I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I always thought I could be I could be the class clown if I wanted to, but uh, we're here to learn, and I don't want to take that away. <laughs> I did. Uh, what a what a responsible young man you are. I you did could be the class clown, yeah. but you. But but it would have gotten in the way of the whole of the, of, the, of that right. Of that I don't want to ruin it for everybody. Of the yeah. education, yeah, yeah. He's thinking but about one, the education, right? Yeah, I not did. only of himself, Ken, but of the other students. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Oh, what yeah. a responsible young man! <laughs> I'm very impressed. You know, when I was in first grade, Jack Raninowski—that was his name—was voted class clown, and I remember being so bitterly yeah. jealous and, and resentful. And I'll tell you how bitterly jealous I was. I remembered that name for 50-some years. Yes. Jack Raninowski? Yeah. That's Ken amazing. Will you, Ken will tell you that is really saying something. Yeah. I remember yeah. name. And I recently looked him up. Uh, I recently Googled him, and uh, he had passed some years uh, earlier. Mm. And I felt very guilty. Well, you win. Oh. What are you talking yeah, about? So I win. So you I'm right. now... I believe I was runner-up, and I'm now the class. <laughs> yeah, class right. Class. Yes, of your first grade class, you should, you know, in those the yeah. first grade reunions, you can, uh, yeah, you can take the <laughs> take my crown. Yes. So you what else? What, what else you got, can Max? I be honest, Ken, Ken, and Max, that's not how I wanted to win. Oh, no. really? No. Oh. No. I wanted to win it outright, but I'll take it. But mm-hmm. it's not at all what my plan was. Well, when when you were doing uh, live shows at uh, UCB, uh, you did one of the the funniest things I remember. Um, when Moby was a guest, he didn't want to uh, perform music, so you got a Moby cover band yes. to perform. And I just it might be my imagination or something, but I remember he got back uh, on stage and and kind of performed with the band, but was like kind of ruining his own music yeah moby Moby actually had a great uh sense of humor about the whole thing we had we had a we had a band you know like a live session engineer who worked at wfmu named chris stubbs who uh was a very also a very talented musician and singer Mm -hmm. and happened to look exactly like moby yeah. So uh, he was game for uh, <laughs> performing as Moby, even when mm-hmm. we had the real Moby on the show. And I was actually quite worried about how it was going to go, especially because right. I remember when uh, John Belushi on Saturday Night Live did his Joe Cocker imitation right next to the real Joe Cocker. And, and oh, right. I remember how agonizingly awkward and cruel that was. Uh, oh, but but it went much better with uh, the it went much better with the real Moby because he had okay. a great he had a great sense of humor about the whole thing. Great, and, that's good. And is that a show that's available in the archive? Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah. But but it's optional. You don't have to listen. No, no, you don't have to. Oh, okay. That's yeah, fine. yeah. Yes. It's oh, just yeah. there. It's just there, Andy. Nobody. No, that's a good. That's a good rule. That's why I love America. Yeah. No, I mean we no longer force people to listen to that one. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Right. Yeah. I did. Um, uh, an impression of uh, Todd Berry, you know the comedian uh, Todd Berry, and uh, it was uh, at a uh, at a party, and and he was at at it, and um, again with um, actually uh, Tom Sharpling was there as well, and uh, word got out that I could do a Todd Berry impression, and um, uh, my uh, I, I was going to perform the impression for Todd, but. Uh, I was like, can I just get my parents? And he's like, you know, don't get an audience. 
And uh, my parents then brought everybody at the party to watch me do my Todd Barry impression in front of Todd. And uh, and I, I performed one of his bits and it 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 killed. It was everybody was was laughing except for Todd, of course. He was just kind of staring at well, me. I mean, I think he had but, a he but, did have a sense of humor. Yeah, I mean it. that's that's his thing. That that's kind of yeah. his act is to but, be incredibly right. deadpan and stoic yeah. and yeah. But it is it is flattering for anyone. Oh so just, yeah. So just to recap, in fourth grade you were doing impressions of Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Right? And this must 20s, have been ninth grade. in your twenties you were doing impressions of Todd Beck. Ninth grade. Ninth grade. I'm sorry. Yeah, ninth grade. That's cool. yeah. So you're working your way. Um, but Max, we're all waiting for you to find your own voice, for you to blossom and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and uh, and do Max Rosenthal. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. Instead of, instead of a funny comic. Yeah. Well, I did do um, the last time I did an open mic. I um, was so nervous, and the words just like kept coming out wrong and stuff but i was i was doing okay but it just felt weird because you know i was just too in my own head and, yeah. and everything and uh um it was definitely you know that that kind of awkward comedy that i i was i was reveling in i was i was enjoying it but um uh at one point i was i was there was a, a lull there was some silence and uh i got a text and uh, it's just like, I'll just read my text on stage. And uh, the text just said, um, Larry David has never been uh, more unfunny or has never been unfunnier or something like that. And it was like, it just got a big, you know, a big laugh. Like it seemed planned. It but really. Who was it, who was it from? It was uh, from a friend of mine who was watching uh, Larry David was in the uh, Farley Brothers remake of the Three Stooges movie. And oh, so it not... had nothing to do with you? No, it was oh. just a really interesting, like just great timing, and you know. Um, but uh... so that would be an interesting act if you went on stage and gave out your phone number. Yeah, said, I'll read. It. You can just text me. Just text me while I'll read anybody's text. Yeah, and oh, uh, that would be a great. Uh, that would be a great. <laughs> minute. Yes, and then anybody think your career, but. But, right. Oh, for sure. Well, mean, there's not really a career to sink at this point. It's, yeah, but it wouldn't affect me at all. Right. Unless you texted me or. No, even, that, even then, I, I'd be unscathed. Yeah. Oh, it's. Uh, <laughs> now we um, have just a few minutes left. What else okay. are you hoping to get into? Um. Well, uh, okay. I have uh, this uh, chat GPT um, thing. And I, I was just thinking about doing this interview. And uh, I had. Um, uh, uh, I had it write a um, a uh, monk acceptance speech for winning an Emmy, <laughs> and I I I was wondering if uh, if I could uh, uh, take it and and you could read it, Andy. Well, uh, I don't know how I could. You mean you'd hold it up to the camera? Well, you could put it I up would on put chat. Put it in the chat. Yeah, sure, it's as it's as close as I will ever get to accepting an Emmy award. So, uh, well, you, um, let me, Max, uh, if it would make you happy, Andy, okay. in the uh, in the Zoom screen that you're in, if you click on more, then you should see something that says chat. And oh, here it, it is. Wait, I yes. do have it. It came up, Ken, on your uh, on your uh, screen. Wait, okay. Now it's gone. Wait, wait, full screen. Okay. I'll just quickly, I'll quickly finish. I want to start by thanking our incredible cast, led by the incomparable Tony Shalhoub. Tony has brought 
so much depth, nuance, and humor. Incomparable. Adrian Monk, his talent and dedication were a driving force behind the success of this show. But how long does this go on? We also want to thank our wonderful supporting cast. And then you list the cast, Ted Levine, Jason Gray Stanford, Trailer Howard, who brought so much to their roles and made the world of Monk seem real and lived in. Okay, here we go. And give it up to WFMU. WFMU, which educates. They played a band called The Cramps today. Even better, they played a song called Ghost with a Boner by Diarrhea Planet. <laughs> I can't get Ghost with a Boner by Diarrhea Planet out of my head. I love it. The song again, Ghost with a Boner, and the band again, Diarrhea Planet. So, Ken, I don't know if you can see Max. He's just grinning from ear to ear. Yeah, he. Is, I think the whole interview was just intended to get you to say Ghost with a Boner. The boner. Yeah. It's like he left a flaming bag of dog poop on my front porch. He's like, a, he's like back in fifth grade. Okay, <laughs> lastly, I should get political. Let our nation be less like iHeartMedia and more like FMU. Up with Ken Friedman. Uh, look, at, look at Max laughing and laughing. And all the lonely hippies at FMU. Pledge money to FMU. Whenever, I will match it tenfold. This is me making a promise on live TV. That's why Max laughing. No, 20-fold, I go on. That I can promise. And Max is in his parents' house, in his bedroom, laughing and laughing. Okay, that I can promise. I can't wait to get soaked by you. Look at Max laughing at his own joke. So Gandhi, baby. Soak me, soak me, baby. I want it, I need it. Oh, yeah, baby. Okay, well thank done, you. Max. Well done, Max. Thank you I so much, that. Max. Thank you. Yeah, you've been dreaming of that moment, haven't you, Max? Oh, Max, uh, I can't wait. So I can't much. wait to use that audio next year during the fundraiser. Exactly. That's it. Thank you so much so for Max, doing that. Tricked me. Oh, I see. So, Max, it was kind of like you played me. You tricked me into uh, wanting to get well, a little I, yeah, yeah. yeah very very clever it's like the end of a really bad mystery movie <laughs> yeah i got tricked into, into, oh. into uh, well, i got tricked into admitting my guilt yeah <laughs> all right cool well thank you that's a bit that's that's all i have max thanks so much thank you you were great and ken may i also say if i may yes you were wonderful during this interview. Well, thank you, Andy. So, oh, thank so you. were you. It was a real pleasure. Well, no, you don't have to say that, but you were really on your game, and uh, you didn't miss a beat. You were a perfect partner uh, for the last 20 minutes. I Damn. Thanks, Andy. Oh, you're yeah. welcome, my friend. And Max, good luck. Thank you. Uh, good luck. You know when you bust the table, you know to, to wipe in a circular motion, right? And to sweep all the crumbs. Oh, the table. yes. Clock I'm so bad at that. Andy, is it clockwise? get all the crumbs, Max. Clockwise mm -hmm. or counterclockwise, Andy? I guess you go counterclockwise, and then you make, and then you do another sweep for the crumbs. Max, you know, I don't have to tell oh, you. Oh, yeah. Right. I just throw them on the floor. That's what I do with the crumbs. You're but, a professional. You're yes. the best. And, yeah. uh, and, and God bless your parents. And, oh, uh, and God bless uh, you, Kenny. Right. Thank well, you, Andy. Thank, thank you both. You. Okay, Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, Max. Hey, how are you? That was listener Max Rosenthal interviewing Andy Breckman and myself uh, a couple of weeks ago. And next week, we will bring you the last two listener interviews. And the week after that, Andy returns to the studio. Uh, we've ended a bit early tonight, and it's just a good thing that we don't have... 19 minutes left 
because I have a 19 minute long remix of one of our DJs, which was created by uh, listener Egnet out in Minnesota. So uh, we can hear five minutes of this at least, and we can be grateful, grateful that we're not listening to it for 19 minutes. This is called, uh, I'm not even going to tell you what it's called. I can't believe I said that thing on the air. said yeah boy but I didn't thank god that would be embarrassing oh yeah I almost said yeah boy but I didn't thank god that would be embarrassing no yeah I almost said yeah boy but I didn't thank god that would be embarrassing no yeah I almost said yeah boy but I didn't thank god that would be embarrassing that makes me me uh rock rock <laughs> that makes me me uh rock 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 hard rock hard <laughs> that makes me uh rock hard that makes me uh rock hard rock hard rock hard rock hard rock hard rock hard That'd be embarrassing. I'm really hard. Embarrassing. No. 
Ugh. 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 This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. You've been listening to, yeah, what Matt said by Egnet. Coming up now, Weekly World Blues with Matt Fiveash. scale is very simple, very useful, but also very simple to build. All you have to do is know your minor pentatonic scales. So in this case I was playing A.
The blues come so many different ways until it's kind of hard to explain. A 40-gallon hat and some polka dot shoes Tomato picking onion juice to drive away my blues A bright red leather suit A trip in a motorboat And a strike I caused on the waterfront When I fell out my yellow coat Hey now, stick with it Oh baby, don't quit it You know you're bound to get it Yes sir, made out of goat skin Frost skin And laid out milk and gin The people quit the scene Like the devil was loose The clouds turned green And let down lemon juice What walks on two feet And looks like a goat That crazy screaming jay In a bright yellow coat And now Stick with it Baby, baby, don't you quit it
Thank you.